the Point of Impact podcast with Rick McDaniel. Thanks for joining us today. Get ready to be inspired and motivated to live a high impact life. Now, here's Rick. Welcome to the Point of Impact podcast. I'm Rick McDaniel. It's great to have you joining us again today. And we're continuing our focus on comebacks and getting into some individual kinds of comebacks. First, we talked about setbacks and then broad macro concepts, steps, components that are required to have a comeback. And and now we're going to get into some specific ones. Last week was relationships and a comeback in terms of relationships and rejection. And this week we're going to talk about finances, a financial comeback. And man, the financial situation that we find ourselves in with the stock market tanking and inflation at a 40-year high, gas prices, food prices, and lots of challenging stuff. So if you haven't had a financial setback recently, you know, you may be in one right now. And these principles will help you irregardless of this present situation or stuff that has happened in the past or will happen in the future. But listen, I think this is perfect time, perfect time to talk about these kinds of principles. And I hope that you'll share this episode with your friends and your family, your coworkers and folks that, you know, could really use some very practical steps and some just basic fundamental concepts that you've got to employ and practice in your life that will lead you to a financial comeback and keep you from having a financial setback. So we're going to jump into that in just a moment. But I do want to talk about something uh, that I've I've never talked about before, probably because really this is the first year that, you know, I've, I've, I've decided I'm going to do it this way. But I just sent out to my mailing list an an email. And and by the way, if you want to be on the mailing list, just go to rickmcdaniel.com and just uh, sign up. Just give your email address and you can receive a weekly devotion from me and other inspirational stuff that I will write and and share about that I think you'll enjoy and will help you in, in many, many, many different ways. But when I sent out this email, it was about my speaking schedule for 2023. And I'm going to, I'm trying to, you know, have enough speaking engagements, be able to offer those to people at the same time, take care of my writing commitments, media stuff that I'm doing, and uh, some new things I want to start next year in terms of coaching. Um, So there's lots of different things to try to fit all in there and trying to hit the right balance between them all. But I do want to say that if, you know, if you're listening, you're like, yeah, I'd really like to have Rick come and speak maybe to uh, your church or maybe an event, corporate, or maybe a conference. I'm scheduling my 2023 calendar. You know, this is the opportunity to kind of grab the date before, you know, your date before it's taken. I've got powerful messages for churches. I've got inspiring keynotes for conferences, motivational speeches for events, and uh, be happy to come and speak for you. My assistant, Terry Cannell, whose uh, email is Terry, T-E-R-R-I, two R's, T-E-R-R-I, 
I at rickmcdaniel.com. She's the person to contact. Uh, you can also go on rickmcdaniel.com and there's a place if you want me to speak, like a contact form that you can fill out. But uh, I'd love to do it. You know, there are only so many opportunities in, in the new year that I can commit to with my other commitments and my new, my new coaching stuff that I'm doing. So that's a new uh, part of it. So there, there aren't just... A bunch of them, but there are enough opportunities that if you act now, this is the time to schedule stuff for next year and let's get it on the, the calendar. And, you know, hey, it could be February. It could be um, next September. Who knows? But now's the time to do it. And so if you're interested in that uh, or, you know, or if you know someone, you know, you're like, hey, you want to talk to uh, your boss about having me come and speak corporately or or you want to talk to your pastor about uh, coming to the church or whatever it might be, this is a good time to do it. And I'd be happy to to do it. If if I can possibly do it and make it work calendar wise, I'd love to do it. I just uh, just spoke last week and just got great response. And um, I think I've said this once before here recently that uh, people who've come to know me through my writing, uh, which is great, um, but some didn't realize that I was a speaker as well, or really that speaking is how I started out and really made my name for myself was as a speaker before a writer. Uh, I certainly consider myself both a speaker and a writer, but I mean, I, I love to do both. But speaking is something I've been doing for a long time. I've been all over the world speaking on six different continents and all across the country, been to all 50 states. So I've done a lot of it in a lot of different settings and a lot of different ways. I've, I've spoken to sports teams. I've spoken corporately. I've spoken at conferences and events. And I've spoken in giant uh indoor arenas that seat 15,000 people. I've spoken in little tiny out, outside <laughs> places in, in, uh, in Africa and in South America and Fiji and all, all over and uh, tons and tons of churches and I'd, I'd be happy to do it. All right, enough about that. Let's get, let's jump in here. So, hey, look, financial setbacks can happen to anybody. And the economy, of course, has done one over. You know, you can make bad investment decision, but goodness, you know, right now you could have been cruising along with your investments and then what's happened here is just incredible. Or, you know, it could be something like something medical and all of a sudden, you know, you've got this gigantic uh, hospital bill. Someone I know um, had to do a remortgage of their home to pay for their medical expenses because they had such a high deductible. And so, You know, things like that can happen. Of course, sometimes it's uh, just bad spending on our part. And the next thing we know, we're in a setback situation. And of course, if several of these things hit all at once, man, it can it can really, really, really be tough on you uh, financially. And of course, the reality is that we we all have to have money in order to, to make it in this world. Some people say, well, the Bible says that money's the root of all evil, but um, that's not what the Bible says, by the way. It does not say money is the root of all evil. It says 
the love of money is a root of evil. So it's not money is the root of all evil, but a love of money is a root of evil. So there's a big difference between the two of those. Um, but we all need money to live. And when you have a setback uh, financially, you need you know even more money. And uh, I was just reading one time years ago about this, just in terms of money, about literal money. Like, did you know that like money used to be made out of silk and then it was made out of linen and then it was made out of cotton and now it's made out of a combination of cotton and paper. So paper, you know, we say paper money, but money isn't really all paper. It's cotton and paper. I thought this was fascinating. A dollar bill only makes it about 18 months before it's taken out of circulation because it's too worn out. But 50 and $100 bills last nine years, nine years versus a year and a half. So a lot more ones are being used in 50s and 100s. So look, there's just times that we are hit with... Uh, a financial setback, and again, the economy right now is certainly creating one. But the majority of the time, again, not all the time, but the majority of the time, it's decisions that we make that create a financial setback, actions that we've taken that create a, a situation where we need a, a financial comeback. And, and of course, the answer very simply put, is sound money management. To be able to manage our money in such a way that we can have a solid financial situation, uh, experience financial security, and ultimately financial freedom. And it's not so much how much money you make, but how you manage whatever money you make. Because it's, you know, it's, it's certainly true that, you know, you make more money. Obviously, that's ideal if you can. But in any financial situation, it always comes down to not just increasing money, but decreasing expenses. I mean, both those things can happen. And you'll read these stories from time to time, like I have about the teacher or the librarian or the custodian who ends up giving like a giant gift to the school or some other organization. And people are like, how did somebody who had that kind of salary, you know, end up giving away a million dollars? And of course, there's only one possible explanation and that, well, there's only one likely Explanation, and that's just good financial management. Hey, maybe they inherited a bunch of money or something, but the stories I've read, it was never like that. It was not that they had a bunch of money. It was simply that they managed their money in such a way uh, that they were able to do that at the end of their life. And, you know, either you're going to manage your money or your money's going to manage you. I mean, this is, this is how financial setbacks happen. You know, money is a wonderful servant and a terrible master. You know, you want your money to serve you. You don't want to have to serve your money. And if you're serving money right now, you know how miserable that is. There's just nothing worse than the pounding pressure of bill collectors and, and all the stuff that goes with finances. It's a, a miserable place to be. And the only way out is to have a comeback. You know, just have a comeback so that you can 
get out of the financial situation that you, you, you face. Now, the Bible does have a marvelous piece of wisdom in Hebrews where it tells us don't fall in love with money. Hebrews 13, 5 says, don't fall in love with money. Be satisfied with what you have. The Lord has promised he won't leave us or desert us. In other words, God's going to take care of us. Don't fall in love with money because being satisfied or content is leads to such a better financial outlook. Materialism has gripped our culture. People think that money brings happiness and, you know, with more money problems uh, is unhappiness. So if you if you just have more stuff, you know, your your unhappiness will disappear. But just not true. I mean, there's just stories and I've written about some of these of people that have won the lottery and how messed up their lives get. Superstar athletes that have multi-million dollar contracts and then retire and don't even have enough money to live. I mean, it, it, it's there. So learning to be satisfied with what we have, and it is a learned behavior. It's not natural to us. Learning to be satisfied. I mean, it's just a great phrase, learning to be satisfied. You learn it. Means that, you know, you don't buy on impulse. And, and think about like online shopping, like before online shopping, the way that people bought an impulse was to go to a store and be in the in the checkouts. And still, you know, you go into checkouts, certainly grocery stores, but other places. I was with my wife in one of these stores. Oh, man, I don't, can't remember which one it was, but it's like clothes, mostly clothes. And the lead up into the uh, checkout line was like on either side. There was like these these um, <laughs> these shelving units with all kinds of stuff, you know, that you could buy on your way to act, like you got to go through it to get to actually to pay that's impulse buying. But now with online, oh man, with online shopping and emails hitting you, it's just so easy to do, you know, just boom. And, you know, we see it, we think we might want it. And so we buy it. It gives us maybe a little emotional boost. And there you go. But the reality is that the feeling goes away. It's a temporary high, and then you have to live with the results of what you've done. Financial comebacks happen uh, when you stop buying things that you don't need and that you can't afford and and that you shouldn't be able to even do because you can't pay for it. You really have to just pause and, and, you know, ask yourself, I believe you should pray for it before you pay for it. That's a little phrase I use. I think that's especially true in bigger decisions, major purchases. I mean, just I just would never want to to do that. Um, just really want to ponder it and consider it before you just go up and and commit, you know, large sums of money for a car, certainly for a home, but other larger purchases. You know, not every financial decision may fit into this, but, um, you know, 
before you talk to a car dealer and a realtor, and before you think about making any sort of major purchase that, you know, where you've moved into four figures uh, or five figures or six figures, you know, then it's time to just say, um, you know, is this what I should be doing? Have I really looked into this and and uh, am I making a wise purchase here? These decisions are are crucial because in the end, you know, Ben Franklin's famous, you know, penny saved is a penny earned. And I would just say a dollar saved is a dollar earned. And I, I just really believe in that. I mean, I, I feel like my entire adult life I have lived at a higher standard of living than my actual income with this very principle. Because, you know, if you if you save money all the time on all these different purchases that you have, then it adds up over over your purchases. And it goes from hundreds to thousands and, and maybe even tens of thousands of dollars saved. And you do that over and over again. I mean, I was just talking to a guy at my gym who's a car dealer and we're talking about what's going on. People are paying above sticker for new cars. And I said, how long before this ends? And he goes, I don't know if it's ever going to end because it's really a pretty good deal for the car dealers. I've never paid sticker. Well, that's not true. One time I paid sticker one time. I regretted it. I ended up hating that car because I overpaid for it. And um, and, on, and on the other end of the spectrum, I've paid eight and ten thousand dollars under sticker. Well, if you if you pay eight or ten thousand dollars under the sticker price, that's like making eight or ten thousand dollars. So you add that. Not that you buy a car every year, but you add that in, and then you look at other times that you save money on on uh, vacations and on purchases of of thing various other kind of purchases. Two hundred dollars saved here, fifty bucks saved there, twenty five bucks saved there. Man, you, you know. You're, you're, you're on your way. So really spending wisely is just so important that we just don't go and, you know, pay full price for everything and just uh, just that's the way we look at it. And you, you can really, really get into a financial setback if if you do that. Uh, you, you've got to to be able to live within your means, you know, live buy a budget, know what's coming in and then what's going out. Uh, it's just so important to to be able to do that. And you would assume, I would assume that, you know, most people live on a budget, but it's just not true. I'm just, I'm just telling you, it's not true. I've talked to plenty of people through the years. And as I get couples ready to marry them, I always talk to them about living on a budget and, you know, just... Uh, Man, so what do you do, you know, if you, if you find yourself in, in, in this situation? One of the things that I think is great, I mean, there's a million things I could talk about, but the, the 30-day spending fast, in other words, you cut out all non-essential spending for an entire month. You pay your bills, but that's it, you know? You try to eat food that's already in the house. You don't go out to a restaurant all month. And you don't don't do entertainment, clothes shopping, nothing except the bare, absolute bare minimums, bare minimum, no extra trips, just back and forth to work. 
And what will happen is, you know, you'll you will save money. You will you will save money doing that. Now you say, well, I can't do that forever, Rick. No, you can't, but you can do it for 30 days. And if you think you can't, you can. Many, many, many people have done this and you can read their stories. You'll find it, you know, get on the Internet, put a 30 day spending fast and see see what comes up. You'll see it. It can be done. And there's just a a huge little way to just jumpstart your comeback with this 30 day, you know, bare minimum spending. And of course, then you discover many times what, you know, what you're doing and what you're spending on. Another is to just look at all these kind of pre-automated things you've got going on and realize, you know, I'm paying for this gym and I'm paying and and I believe in paying for a gym. I I work out every week. And if you're using the gym, that's great. You should use the the gym. But what are you using here? And then this streaming service and, and then this thing, this automated thing that you signed up for. And now they keep sending you the thing. And then you look in your cupboard or your closet and you see that you're receiving this stuff. You're not even using it. It's amazing what can happen. Obviously, getting out of debt is a huge part because paying someone else interest is no way to have a financial comeback. And and I just read, um, I, I couldn't believe, because I've never had a, uh, I use the, I, most of my entire life I've used an American Express card, which makes you pay every month, so there's no chance to carry a balance. But you know, I, I have had a Visa and MasterCard, and, and, and when I travel in other countries, not everybody takes American Express, so I have that. But I've never had, any sort of high interest, even double digit interest on on it at all. And I was reading, you know, what people are paying on their credit cards right now, you know, 15, 18, 20 percent. I mean, that is massive. That is massive amount of of money that you're you just you, you don't want to do that. Um, and and again, that's credit card debt, the most common type then any sort of financed pay over time, you know, these things, again, they're they're not the way to go. The way to go is to save up the money and then purchase it right off the bat. Even something like a mortgage, if you look at a 30-year mortgage versus, say, a 15- or a 10-year mortgage, I've had 30, 15- and 10-year mortgages, and the difference is, is monumental. It's mind-boggling, really. It's incredible. When you have a 10-year mortgage and how much money you pay on principal is about, it's almost a total flip from a 30-year mortgage. When you look at that and you're like, oh my gosh, all that money went to interest and only this little bit went to principal. It's like the exact opposite in a 10-year mortgage. Oh my gosh, all that money went to principal and only this little bit went to interest. And then over the course of a loan, you can literally save six figures in money. It's, it's It's that gigantic of a difference. It's massive, 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 massive difference. So you see, you know, the cost of money, right? And now interest rates are are higher. And for again, for like mortgages, well, for anything. And now this indebtedness thing becomes an even worse thing. When money was cheap, you know, it was still debt. But oh, my goodness, where we are now. And the only way out of it is just, you know, you've got to have some type of a process. It generally, people use, you know, one of two ways to go about it. Either they pay off the highest interest rate uh, first and work the way down or some pay off the smallest debt first. 
both have their strengths and weaknesses. I do think there's something motivationally, you know, like if you owe a thousand dollars on a credit card and you can pay that one off first versus say a five thousand dollar debt it just encourages you but obviously you can make the case that if the five thousand has the higher interest rate that's the one you want to work on uh, first so you can get the higher interest but it'll take you longer to do it but either way it always comes down to dealing with this issue of debt and 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 just realizing that the indebtedness thing is a killer. And then again, watch how it flips now. So the money that you were paying for debt, you now start saving and you watch then the interest. And I realize the markets at this exact moment are not so great, but they're still, I I just, uh, even in the midst of this, and I've lost plenty, believe me, but I've made money on one, one investment here recently in this in this present situation. So it's possible to do, but again, over time, it's it's not possible. It's almost assured you will make money. You keep investing over time, and the market will turn, and you'll 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 make out just phenomenally. So imagine instead of, I don't like paying 8% interest, you make 8% interest. It's that's how a financial comeback happens. You go from paying 8% to being paid 8%. That is a, a just a massive turnaround. One way to do this, you know, to just sort of structure your finances is really to say, how can I, you know, live on less Instead of, again, when you make a budget, so here's our money, oh, here's it all goes. But in that, where's the part for saving? Because you have to have it. I've had my savings automated for years. The money just goes right out. It just gets taken out. Twice a month, the money gets taken out. It's like a bill. It's like you pay yourself first. So you, you, you have the money taken out and you're investing in your future and in your financial comeback because over enough time of course you'll see such savings and then you can use some of that money if you need to to knock off any remaining debt that you may have ideally you're paying off debt and you're saving but you know sometimes you just got to pay off the debt first and then get into the savings and then you just watch the savings and you just watch as as they just increase and increase and increase and it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's amazing how it works. And you're living on 80% uh, and you're saving and you're giving, you know, because listen, the financial comeback is saving money, getting out of debt, not overspending, living within your means. This is what leads to financial freedom and security. You have a plan, but generosity is important as well. You know, you just you want to make sure that you're a a generous person because God's blessing comes from generosity. So the focus can't solely be on that. There has to be a a generosity and, and, you know, the 10 percent tie. They just think it's so basic and simple. Move the decimal point. You know, it's just. There's a reason why it's there in the Bible, because it's just so simple. Anybody. I mean, you you learn decimal points early days of school. It's so simple to know how to give 10 percent. You just, you know, you move the decimal point and there it is. It doesn't matter how complex the number is. If it's eighty seven dollars and fifty eight cents, then what it's eight dollars and 70 you know i mean it's just it's so simple to do and then you get up to 
larger numbers, smaller numbers, it, it, it doesn't matter. And so just being a, a person who, who gives, who, who's generous, uh, who just realizes that you can't outgive God and that the blessings that come when you're generous is just so marvelous, so marvelous what it can do in your life. Nothing will break the grip of materialism in your life like giving, really. It's just, um, <laughs> it's just great to, to, to do it because gener- I'm going to tell you generosity is the way to a financial comeback because it, it really rises out of contentment. We come to a place where you know, we learn to be satisfied and contented and then generosity is not some occasional thing. But it's something that we do. We don't wait till we can afford to give because just like having kids or any number of other things, you'll never be able to afford it. So you just do it. And then the, the generosity um, that you have and in in your giving, then God just blesses you for that. And, you know, you're you're just propelling your way into a comeback because you've you've reached that place of contentment. And you're you're on track. You've got a budget. You you know what you're doing. You're managing your money correctly. You're you're being generous, and then you're just hitting all of the right notes. You know that you need to do to have a financial comeback and really position yourself not just for a, a financial comeback, but really a lifetime of financial security where you just you're right where where you need to be because you've you've nailed all these basic principles that you have to have in finances in order to to be successful and then you just keep practicing those over time and you will you will never be in a situation where uh, you'll have that level of financial setback that maybe you have right now or you've had in the past and even when you hit some of the smaller setbacks you'll be able to overcome it much more quickly and easily because you know exactly how to do it and you know the principles that work. So takes discipline and commitment absolutely to do it. But man, if you will do it, it's a, such a better, less stress, more enjoyable way to live. Commit to doing it. Talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Point of Impact podcast with Rick McDaniel. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.